All right. Um, I guess we'll start with a word of prayer, and then I'll start my presentation. Um, so let's let's just bow our heads. Dear God, thank you for this day and for another day of life and for opportunities to learn more about you and more about how to serve you better. Um, please be with us as we are in this class. Give me the right words to say and give help me to say things clearly. We love you. Amen. Good morning. Just grab a piece of paper off that back table as you come in. You Sure, thank you. All right, um, so today we're talking about intentional education, and I was just telling one of my friends I could not have asked for a better lead-in to this presentation than the talk we just had. He said, I, I wrote it down because it was perfect, he said, success in life demands a definite aim, and that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I wanted to start with an introduction. My name is Melissa Clayton. Um, I live on a very small garlic farm in northern Michigan with my husband and my two boys. My boys are three and five. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in education from Southern Adventist University, and I taught for several years in both multi-grade, so one to four and in five to eight, and then I taught high school English and sciences, so biology and earth science. Um, and I just started homeschooling, sort of, <laughs> my five-year-old. Um, so, to get started, I wanted to start with the definition of intentional. Intentional, according to Google, the Google Dictionary, is done on purpose and deliberate. Um, and I think that this is something that is important to us, because as we're homeschooling our children as stay-at-home moms or work-from-home moms or dads, when we're home with our kids, it's very easy to lose our days, because things just are chaotic. We have five million things to do on the farm. We have five million things to do in the house. And before you know it, the day is gone and you may feel like you've accomplished nothing. And so being intentional helps us to take control of our days again and actually feel like we're accomplishing something. Um, so, and I do think that being intentional is the success to being successful as a homeschooling parent. So I wanted to start with a little bit I'm sorry, I'm right in the way. I want to start with a little bit of a worship thought um, and some, some journaling, sort of, which is why I had you guys grab those pieces of paper. Um, looking at Proverbs verse, chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, it says, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And I think that this is a good verse to apply to our homes, but also to change a little bit and apply it to our children. Through wisdom, a man or woman is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And who doesn't want their children to be filled with precious and pleasant riches? Um, so what we're going to do on those pieces of paper I asked you to grab, I hope everyone have, has pens or pencils, um, is I want you to take, we're just going to take a couple of minutes, and I want you to write down what are the things that you want your children to be filled with, and what are the expectations, here we go, I have a list for you. Um, what are the characteristics I want my home and or my child to have? What qualities do I want to fill the rooms of my home with? What do I want my family culture to look like? What routines do we have? What 
rituals, habits? What things do we do in our family that makes us special and unique? What are my priorities for educating my child? And what kind of people do I want my children to be? We're just going to give you about five minutes. I'm looking for just write down as much detailed responses as you can, because the more specific you are, the more it helps you in creating a direction for your home. All right, go ahead and finish the thought that you're working on. I know I didn't give you much time for this. Um, I think that this is a great activity exercise to do later when you're, when you're home, when you can time to think, to prayerfully answer these questions. But I did want you to kind of already have some wheels spinning so that as we continue through the presentation, you're, you're getting some ideas. Um, there's a website, it's called thelittlesandme.com, and she actually has a yearly, or a, a I'm sorry, a homeschool planning sheet that I found super helpful. She talks about, she just lays out boxes for a lot of the things that we talked about here. Our core values as a family. What are our holiday traditions, if we have some? Um, what are weekly and monthly anchors that we have? And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. What are things that our family loves to do as a family? It goes into our homeschool culture, why we homeschool. At the end of our homeschooling journey, what do we want our children to remember? What are our life-giving anchors? The things, new life-giving anchors, things that we would like to establish to help keep our children focused and grounded, and us focused and grounded. Um, what is our homeschool culture? What do we want it to look like? What do we want it to feel like? Um, and then it goes into last year, if it's not your first year homeschooling, just reflection, what worked, what didn't work. What's our big takeaway? Moving forward, what do we look forward to this year? What are some things that we'd like to do? At the end of the year, what, um, what do we want to be able to say about that year? So it's from thelittlesandme.com. I do have a slide of resources. And if you had the handouts, the resources are in the handouts as well. But this is just a great planning tool for the beginning of your year or wherever you are to help you really focus in on what things are important to your family because, um, yeah, we'll take questions at the end. <laughs> um, because when you know the things that are important to you, it makes harder, hard decisions a lot easier. Um, let's see. Okay, so I want to just go through kind of a framework to help you in planning. Wow, I'm behind on my notes here. Here we go. <laughs> um, to help you as you're planning your year. And we're going to talk about, the, it's really a four-step process. And it's, I did it in a circle because this isn't a thing that is one and done. This is something that is constantly moving and changing because life is constantly moving and changing, right? Somebody goes to college or there's a new baby or Somebody had to go get a job or, you know, life changes. So your plans have to change and they need to be flexible. But when you, but that's why this exercise with our core goals and values is important because those are the things that don't, we don't want to change. Everything else needs to be flexible. So we're going to talk about prioritizing because that should happen first. And that's kind of what we did with this exercise. We started to think about what are our priorities. And then we're going to talk about planning, giving yourself guardrails. This is, we'll talk about that, but it's to, 
It's setting up things to help keep you on track. Even though you, you move around side to side, it keeps you from falling off a cliff. <laughs> um, implement and adjust. And we're not really going to talk about these much because that's kind of, you do what you planned and you make adjustments as necessary. So, um, and I just think it's, I think that this is important. Like when you're building a house, you have an architect and they drop a blueprint. You can change your plans, but you don't build a house with no plans or pilots. They have a flight plan and they have to adjust course throughout the trip, but they don't not have a plan because they need to get to their destination and you need a plan to get there. So, um, and another thing that I just want to add is I know that sometimes I've, experience frustration because like I make all these great plans and then nothing happens <laughs> or two days later everything is disrupted by you name it um, but I think that this still holds a lot of value and is still an important thing to do because every time you set goals and you work towards those goals even if you don't completely reach those goals you're improving and you're making steps towards achieving that goal. And so if you need a new plan, that's fine, but you still have your goal. And every step you take towards that goal, you're getting better. All right, so first thing is prioritizing. This is where you need to decide what works for your family. And this is different for everybody. We all have different lives. Um, you, I'm talking here about schedules and activities. I'm talking about keeping your home in order, You know, the dishes and the laundry that never end organization. We're going to talk just a tiny bit about homeschooling methods and about curriculums and standards. Okay, so first one, <laughs> home management, organization, and time. I feel like this is a huge one for us that stay at home with our kids. Um, I feel like the woman in this picture a lot. <laughs> I don't know about any of you. You know, you just mop the floor and the kids come running in from the garden and track muddy footprints all over and slap slugs down on the table. Yeah, that's happened at my house. Um, but, but, you know, that's life and that happens, but there are things we can do to help. So the first thing is too much stuff and clutter does is known to cause an increase in the stress hormone. Um, and so maybe we need to evaluate the stuff that we have in our home. Is, is your stuff getting in the way of serving your purpose? Because if you're spending all your time cleaning up all the junk that we accumulate, and I'm talking about my family, um, we're not able to serve our purpose. Um, cleaning and home management tasks can be planned into your day and can serve as oppor educational opportunities. Your kids should be helping you do the laundry, helping you do the dishes. Um, even when they're young and they can't do it all by themselves, um, my kids unload the dishwasher onto the island because they can't reach the shelves. Or they put their laundry in the washing machine, but they can't reach it, so I start it. Those kinds of things. Um, also, to note, you should be creating some kind of a workspace for your homeschooling. It doesn't have to be a room. My house is very small. We don't have a room. We work at the kitchen table, but my kids have totes that are, each one has their own tote. So they have their space, they know where their stuff is, and when it's time to do school, which in my house right now is about 10 minutes once or twice a week, because my kids are five and three. Um, but they have their space that they're in charge of, and we work at the kitchen table, it has good light, and we keep it a clean area so that they can focus on their schoolwork and not on all the toys everywhere. Um, and I think it's important to you to remember that balance is key. We only have such a short time with our kids at home. 
And sometimes it's not worth stressing about the dishes in the sink or the mountain of laundry in the laundry room. Um, sometimes you just need to ignore it and spend time with your kids. So um, enough about that. Homeschooling methods. Um, now, this is a very, very, very oversimplified um, definitions of just a few of the homeschooling methods that are out there. Um, if you just Google like a list of homeschooling methods, you can come up with much more detailed descriptions. Um, but I think that it's valuable for us as homeschooling parents to kind of understand a little bit about the different methods that are out there because it helps us make decisions about what, what we resonate with and what we think would work for our family because it helps you find resources that kind of align with, with what you think and feel works for you. Um, and I don't, there's obviously a lot of overlap between some of these methods, and I don't think any of us fit specifically into one box. But when you have these ideas in your mind, you can, you can create your own version. Um, another thing to talk about real quick is learning styles. We've probably all been to 100 lectures or read books or something about learning styles. We're not gonna talk about them. But I think if you have not done any research on this, do it. Um, you should really, as a parent, you need to know what your learning style is. And you should be working to understand what your child's learning style is because how you decide to homeschool needs to work for you because if it doesn't work for you, it's not gonna work for your child. But it also needs to work for your child. And to take that even further, it is important to teach your child according to their learning style, but also to push them and help them develop the skills to be able to learn no matter how information is being presented, because that's life. We don't always get to learn according to our learning style. So if you don't know much about them, do some reading, listen to some podcasts, just something. I don't know why that's in there twice. <laughs> All right. Um, next thing, standards. Oh, my notes are all out of order. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. All right. Standards have kind of been given a bad name. Um, and I think that has to do with the fact that they're closely related to standardized testing. Um, but I just want to say standards are not the big, bad, scary, terrible thing that I often hear from people. I use standards with my children. And let me show you how, or explain to you how. Um, the NAD, and this is the website, the North American Division has a website that gives you all of the standards for every grade. So if you're following typical grades, you can go on and say your child is in fourth grade, get the NAD standards for the fourth grade. The NAD creates their standards somewhat based on the state standards or various state standards. There's different standards. You have standards by state and you have the NAD standards. Um, but they're all pretty similar. The NAD has just made theirs, has a focus on, on God. Um, so when I print off my standards, this is now a, a rough guide, a map for me in kindergarten. Now for us, kindergarten, my child is five. Kindergarten's probably gonna be the next two or three years until he's ready to actually do a little more. We take it very slow. We move how he wants to move at this age. Um, but I printed off a list of the kindergarten standards and you sort through them. There's Bible standards. 
not really worried about the Bible standards. We have our family worship. We do Bible studies. We go to adventurers. We go to church. We are intentional, intentional about our biblical education, but I'm not following the standards for that because I don't think it's necessary. Fine arts, music, um, art, that kind of thing. Also, not worried about those standards because we do these things and we do them intentionally, but we do them based on what my child is interested in and I'm not worried about following the standards. For younger grades, what I'm pulling out here are my language arts standards. Language arts is my reading, my writing, English, that kind of thing, and my math standards. I'm not even at, at a younger grade, I'm not even worried about science, I'm not worried about social studies. We are doing those things, but I'm not worried about the standards and following them. But for language arts and for math, I'm printing off those standards, and I turn these into a checklist. So at the beginning of the year, I went through and I read each of these standards and checked off the things that I know my child is already proficient at because we don't need to worry about those things. And then, when I look at what's left, now I know what my focus needs to be for this year. So, when we talk about curriculums in just a minute, I have a curriculum that I purchased, and I'll be honest, I don't use it. There's a lot of busy work, there's a lot of fluff, um, and I just don't feel like my child needs to spend two hours a day at the table in kindergarten doing schoolwork. I use these standards. We learn the things that are in these standards while we're doing life. My child's learning about temperature as we're out checking the thermometers in the greenhouse and comparing it to the thermometers outside. My child's learning about measuring by helping me cook in the kitchen and by helping we're finishing our basement, by helping us measure the, the boards and cut things. Now, eventually, I will take that and we will do a couple of questions on a piece of paper so that he can understand how that translates from what we just did in real life to seeing a question on a piece of paper. Because if our children are gonna go anywhere, to, if they're gonna go to college, or if someday they're gonna go to a regular school, they need these tools. And so the other thing is that I am really intentional, intentional wow, about using academic language. So when I'm teaching my child to add, I'm using words like addition and the sum, and we are going to add three plus five equals, and, and as you're getting into older grades, you may need to look up some of this language again because we're just not familiar with it. Um, but using words like sum, dividend, quotient, using that academic language while you're doing your daily life is what's gonna help your child make those connections from real life living to book learning. So, all right, I'm way off here. <laughs> um, so planning, when I'm working on my plan for the year, I start with the broad strokes. So that means I'm looking at the standards and deciding which things I need to work on this year, and then roughly writing out a calendar of when I'm gonna work on what. So that then when I'm looking at the month of November, I see, okay, I have these four standards that we're gonna work on this week. That means this week I'm gonna work on, I'm gonna work on, with prompting, identify the main topic and key details. This is a, a reading informational text standard. So this week, as we're reading our books, it's informational text. So I'm gonna find um, nonfiction books to read to my child. And as we're doing our story time, we're gonna talk about how to identify the main idea and retell key details. 
And at the end of the week, if my child is doing really well with this, I'll probably check this standard off and move on to the next one. But I start with the year plan and just write out a few standards for each month and then assign those standards to weeks. And I fill in the details when I'm ready. And sometimes I don't even fill in the details. Now I have spent extensive time writing lesson plans because I was a teacher and um, in college, you write a lot of lesson plans when learning to be a teacher. And so for some of us, it comes very naturally to, to develop lesson plans and, and I don't write things out. But maybe you need to write them out to help you be intentional and to make sure that you're accomplishing the things that you need to do. Um, also setting anchors for your days and for your weeks. So we talked about that a little bit, about how life can be chaotic. Um, in my family, my husband is a, is a house supervisor in a hospital, and he works seven nights in a row, and then he's off the following seven days. And so we have a week where it's just me and my kids for the whole week, and then the next week where it's the whole family together for the whole week. So our weeks look different from week to week, because when dad's not home, we really buckle down, we do things in the house, make sure everything's in order, make sure that we're getting some of our schoolwork done so that the next week when dad's home, we're always together. We do projects as a family, we go hiking, we go kayaking, whatever it is. Um, but we set anchors for our week so that our children have things that they can count on every week, no matter what's going on. So for us, our anchors look like adventurers and piano lessons are every Tuesday. Every Tuesday looks the same, and my kids know that. Church on Sabbath is another anchor. That's something that we do every single week. And your anchors are going to look different depending on your life. But what are the things that are set in your schedule that don't change. That's um, just something to help you plan. And then um, finding creative ways to build experiences, learning experiences into your daily lives. And it's very important to remember that some people need a lot more structure than others. I'm sure there's people in this room who have color-coded, detailed schedules and hanging up on their wall, and that's great. I'm not that person. <laughs> Um, but I have a child that is that person. And, and so that's important to remember, too, is that just because you work one way does not mean your child works that way, too. And you need to work on ways to meet in the middle so that your life can run as it needs to, but you're also meeting the needs of your child who needs to know what's happening next. And that's a normal thing for kids. That's a normal thing for some adults. Um, I'm totally off here, so. <laughs> All right, but coming back, we want to start with prioritizing and then make a plan, implement your plan, set your guardrails, what are the things that you do to make sure your family stays on track, and then adjust, make changes as necessary. Um, some resources that I have found super helpful that I really like as far as getting my home in order, um, The Minimal Mom on YouTube, <laughs> she has videos about decluttering and laundry management systems. And I just wanna say like housekeeping is a learned skill. Maybe some of us learned it from our parents growing up. I did not. I had to learn all of this as I became an adult and got married and had kids. Learning how to manage a house was <laughs> overwhelming. Um, but that was a really helpful resource for me to just learn how to make everything work. Um, the Call of the Wild and Free by Ainsley Armet. It's a book. Um, and she, she goes through homeschool methods, and she just has, there's a lot of valuable information for homeschoolers. Uh, also, Balanced and Barefoot, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Parents. 
Um, there's an organization or a group called A Thousand Hours Outside. I'm not sure if anyone's heard of it. Um, this was started, I don't know what to call it, a movement. Um, a woman who realized that you know, the average American child spends three hours a day in front of a screen. Um, and so she changed it and she said, we need to have our children spending three hours a day outside. And much of that should be an unstructured free play. Um, and so if you average that out, it turns into about 1,000 hours a year. And so there's Facebook groups, there's a website, but it's just parents who have set this as a goal to get their children outside for at least 1,000 hours a year. There's trackers um, that you can use. And I like the tracker because especially, you know, I'm northern Michigan, when it's negative 20, it's very helpful to have a checklist to say, okay, I have to get my kids outside for at least a little while today so we can put another check on our chart. <laughs> um, the homeschool planning sheet that I talked about earlier from the littlesandme.com. Um, and then the last one is this website here is, talks about homeschool laws by state. Um, that's something that we maybe don't always want to talk about, but there are state laws and they're different for every state for what you're required to submit or report um, on your child's homeschooling. And I would just add to that Whatever, however you choose to do your homeschooling, document, document, document. Because you don't know, or maybe you do know, but the future, you don't know what the future is going to bring. And if at some point your child wants to do something different, having a, a trail, a paper trail, having proof of what they've done will be valuable. So, uh, how do I do in time? I think we have a few minutes for questions. <laughs> Otherwise, I think we finished just a couple minutes early. Um, is a very personalized thing because I think our, our kids struggle with different things just like we do. Um, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, <laughs> so we're very much learning. Um, with my five-year-old, he needs, he needs more of a, a schedule and more of a routine. It really uh, upsets him when he doesn't know what to expect next. Um, and so we try to provide that to him, but also try to work through things with him so that um, because of our lifestyle, it's hard to have a, a real schedule. And my husband, he's a travel, he's a travel nurse. And so every three months, his schedule is totally different. Um, and so, so that's really a challenge for our family is giving him what he needs, but still fitting it into a life that changes more than most. Um, and so there, there's sometimes tantrums that happen when we don't know what to expect. And so we work hard to make sure that we're giving him enough structure that he feels comfortable, but also trying to help him understand that, you know, life happens and you're okay. Like we still have all of these things that are the same. Um, and also I think a big thing of character building is just chores work and teaching our children to push through things. We do a lot of outdoor work and outdoor activities like hiking um, and 
and there are often like sit downs and I'm not going any further and uh, just trying to push through those things I well when we get to the top of this hill we'll sit down and have a snack or um, I think a lot of it's just just patience and trying to understand why because I think that obviously we're naturally sinful and selfish but also a lot of the times that our children are having outbursts or struggling with something there's things we can do to help them feel better so while still like practical through life experiences yeah yeah very much we have the bible has all of our I have 25 minutes still. I thought it was until, oh, well, I, I'm i sorry. Here I am thinking I had to end at 10. Okay, I know I missed a lot because I went way off track. <laughs> Thanks, Angela. Um, did I, I don't remember talking about this one at all. Okay, so as far as planning, I guess I just want to come back and really talk about that one more. Um, when I was in college, I was taking a physical education, it was called physical education methods, um, because it, at, at, I went to Southern Adventist University, and they have a, Clay have a methods block, so you take um, language arts methods, and science methods, and math methods, and it's all about how to teach each of those different subjects. So in my PE methods class, we had an assignment where our professor made us write out every 30 seconds of a 30-minute class period. And we had to create a spreadsheet with what the time was, and then the spreadsheet had to say where the students were going to be, what the students were going to be doing, what materials we needed for that activity, and where we were going to be as the teacher. And when the professor gave us that assignment, I thought it was the dumbest assignment ever. I was like, when am I ever going to write out every 30 seconds of a plan? And you don't. But by having to do that assignment, it really made you start to think about what are all of the materials that I am going to need for this whole lesson. So that when you're teaching the lesson, now when you're dealing with a homeschool group and you only have you know, your couple of kids, or maybe even some um, other local homeschooler groups from your area, it's not as big of a deal. When you're dealing with a class of 30 eighth graders, you can't leave them alone for three minutes to go grab the materials you left, because that is asking for chaos. Um, and so having that, mental, having that mental checklist to make sure that you have all of the materials that you need for your class was super important. But then also by mapping out every 30 seconds of what you're going to do, it made you super intentional about, about your time. And I think that as homeschooling parents, at least for, for me and my family, there's never enough time to get done all of the things that need to get done. Um, and so we need to be very intentional about what our priorities are and what things we need to get done and then managing our time. I'm not suggesting that you write out every 30 seconds or 30 minutes of your day, although maybe for some of you that's what works. Um, but I do think how I plan is every night or every morning, and this isn't just homeschool, this is for my whole life, I write a list of bullet points of three to five things that I am going to accomplish either the next morning or if I do it at breakfast that day. 
Um, and if they're bigger things, sometimes it's one or two things. Sometimes it's five or six things if they're smaller things. And then throughout that day, I have some intention for my day and what I'm going to work on that day. And that helps me stay on track so that, you know, life doesn't happen and it gets to be four o'clock and I need to make dinner and nothing has happened that day. And then at the end of the day, if there's things on my checklist of my, my essentials that didn't get done, well, then sometimes they get pushed to tomorrow, and that's okay too. But by having a little bit of a plan, literally writing three little things on a list, I'm taking control of my day again so that I don't just lose all of that time. Um, yeah, so I just think that no matter how structured or unstructured you need to be based on what works for you, have a plan. And the tools that can be helpful for you to make that plan, if you're using a curriculum, they often have a checklist for you or they have day-to-day -day what your lessons should be. If you're not using a curriculum or if you're using a curriculum and you want to be able to pick and choose what to do, using these standards can help you make the decisions on what the most important things are and our planning sheets that we wrote earlier today with your, with your priorities for your child, that's the other thing that's really going to help you make the decisions about what matters here. Because you're going to have to say no to things. That's how, that's how life works. We cannot, there are only so many hours in a day, we cannot do all of it. Um, but our kids need to be our priorities. So, let's see. Um, let's go to here. Um, does anybody want to share something that has worked well for them in homeschooling or maybe something that hasn't worked well? Um, because I think we can learn just as much from things that don't work as we do from things that work. All right, why don't you guys turn to your, to your neighbor or if your neighbor is your family member, turn to somebody in front of you or behind you and just spend a couple of minutes talking about things that you've done as a family that have been like very successful or things that haven't been successful and why. Or let's, let's share, this is a great time to network with other parents because I think that that's another important thing with homeschooling or working from home or staying at home is having, having a network and being around people who maybe share some of your priorities or some of your values especially spiritual values, but then being able to share and bounce ideas off of each other. Because when we work together, our ideas get so much stronger. So turn to somebody that's not in your family, but near you, and just spend a couple minutes sharing. I need a, like, I used to use a chime in my classroom to get everyone's attention. <laughs> right? Or if you can hear my voice. Put your hands on your head. <laughs> if you can hear my voice, touch your nose. <laughs> All right, thank you. I, uh, I feel bad because I rushed through my presentation thinking I needed to end at 10, or, and it wasn't. Um, but I'm very curious to hear what you guys just talked about. Um, what are some things, can anyone share? What are some things that, experiences that your family maybe um, like weekly things that your family does or neat activities that you've done that have enriched your homeschooling experience? Crickets. <laughs> All right, thank you. I 
Uh, my kids are older, so we've been doing this for a while, but I'm also a working mom. So I have to work, and I have to try to go to school, and that's hard. So I was just sharing with, what's your name? Katharina. Katharina. I was sharing with Katharina that I thought I was going to do sunlight. I was like, okay, I'm going to do Adventist education, and, you know, we're going to follow this curriculum, but it didn't work. And so being flexible and being okay to change my curriculum was good for me. Um, and then we had to go through a few until we found one that fit. Um, and my girls have two totally different personalities, two totally different learning styles. And that was like, oh, a whole nother stress on that process. Um, they're two years apart because my older one is born in September. I kept her grade back, so I have them studying at the same grade level. So not having, my family is not Christian, I'm newly Christian, um, so fighting also against the pressure of the world and everyone saying, oh, your, your kids can't read. Oh, they can't, you know, and, and, and them feeling bad and me feeling bad. I had to really be, you know, really prayerful and get through it. And, um, you know, we're okay. They're, they started reading and now they're reading like crazy, but they can't stop reading books. And following Elamite's method even in that regard, you know, it's like, you know what? She's right, you know, the, the methods are working and there's nothing to stress over. But having to have the confidence. And I also teamed up with a bunch of other women that were doing Sunlight. So even though I'm not following Sunlight, I still have that support group. So it's nice to have that also when the rest of the world is saying what you're doing is wrong, they're not meeting the standards, all of that. So I'm sharing that to say, if you have those concerns, don't worry about it. Follow, you know, follow what you believe God is telling you to do. And, you know, he'll do the rest. Thank you. I think that that was a great piece to add, is just that our kids learn at different rates, and that's okay. If your child is a little bit behind, according to the standards, don't worry about it. If your child is ahead according to the standards, move with them. That's the beauty of homeschooling is you, nobody knows your child better than you. And you're not trying to teach 20 kids, you're trying to teach, I don't know, one, two, four, five, whatever, however many kids you have, they get so much attention. And you now have the opportunity to meet their needs. And and it doesn't matter if your kid learns to read at five or if your kid learns to read at nine. By the time they're 15, they're reading. And, and so you get to follow what your child needs. And I don't think that, I think, you know, as a general rule, we kind of want to follow grade levels-ish. But I plan to move through these standards by year based on when my kid's ready for it. We're going to stay in kindergarten. We'll stay in kindergarten until he's seven if that's what he needs. Or we'll move on to first grade if he's like moving through it. Right now, he loves to do schoolwork for about five minutes. And then he's like, can I go play with my Legos? And so you just, you get to follow what your child needs. And as your children get older, 10, 12, 15, you're going to have to be a little bit more, like you have to do something. You have to learn how to read. You have to have the equivalent of a high school diploma by the time we're done with this. But especially when they're younger, you have so much freedom to, to educate them as, as they're ready for it. Because truthfully, if we're not ready to learn something, we're not going to learn it, no matter how many people beat you over the head with the book. So thank you for sharing that. I, I probably didn't stress that enough in my, in my talk. Did anybody else have something that they would share with us? Um, so I, I don't have any children of my own, but I have 
but I do have eight children. <laughs> I'm a teacher at Centerville uh, at Centerville School at Tennessee. And um, so what I found especially really good is to um, to really be intentional about getting outdoors. So if you want to get your children outdoors and to focus on agriculture and nature, then you just have to be really intentional about it and to plan specific activities to get them outside. And so a lot of times, um, you know, sometimes I think, oh, well, I'm not getting them outside near enough. But so in order to make sure that I get them outside enough, I have like two days where I specifically have like nature phonics or nature math and they just love those phonics. Like they, they're always asking me, Miss Katrina, when are we going to have nature math or nature phonics? So it's really important to get them outside and they, they really connect the the principles they need to learn. So you're teaching them a lot better when you have them Thank you. I think I agree that it's super important to get your kids outside and as much as you can to incorporate the, the nature or the garden into your lesson so that that's the tool you're using to teach them. But sometimes it's not possible and that's the time that you take a blanket out in the yard and you lay down and read books out in the yard. Um, any time that you're spent outside is I think is valuable and is helpful for you and your child in so many ways. Um, and sometimes that's a learned thing. Sometimes going outside is a huge distraction. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. Uh, and I think it's always worthwhile to spend more time in nature. Um, so thank you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.